The explosion shredded the walls and roof of the Quonset hut, ripping through the vintage World War II-era Russian building and catapulting me across the gravel road, slamming me into the chain-link fence encircling the naval base. The twelve-foot-high security fence buckled and stretched out grotesquely under the force of my weight, but didn't break. The fence snapped back into its original shape and pitched me down into the ground with a force that knocked me nearly unconscious. Landing hard on my back, I struggled to breathe. Burning debris was raining down around me like hundreds of flaming arrows stabbing into the ground. Shielding my face and rolling to my right, I tried pushing up on my knees. Engulfed in a cloud of black smoke, I gagged on the taste of blood, the smell of burnt hair and flesh, and the noxious fumes coming from the remnants of the burning building. Throwing up, I wiped my mouth on my sleeve and tried to stand, but my legs buckled and I fell to my knees. Two hands appeared in the smoke like apparitions, grabbing, lifting, and dragging me to my feet. It was Hodges and Valerie. Given my condition, I was glad to see them both. They were upright and obviously in better shape than me, and he was big enough to lean against if I needed to. Coughing, trying to clear my lungs and head and steady myself on legs that felt numb, I faltered, stumbling forward a few steps before regaining my balance. With my pulse rate slowing, I began my self-assessment. Starting at my feet, I tried flexing and extending every muscle and every joint of my six-foot, two-hundred-pound frame while checking my surroundings. Feeling only minor pain and discomfort in my lower extremities, I looked behind me, seeing the shell of the burning metal building. The jagged edges of twisted metal, backlit by fire, stood as stark reminders of what might have happened to me. I was lucky to be in one piece. I was lucky to be alive. I touched my rib cage, wincing. Closing my eyes to the pain radiating from my left side, I knew one or more of my ribs were cracked, maybe broken. Focusing on the job meant pushing the discomfort aside. I opened my eyes to see my daughter, Lisi, standing in front of me. She was saying something, asking me a question, but I couldn't hear her because of the ringing in my ears. I tried reading her lips, but narrowing my focus made things worse. A shockwave of pain rolled over me, bending me down at the waist. I tried to fight it. We needed to move. I needed to move. Straightening and gritting my teeth against the pain, I placed my hands on top of my head and closed my eyes as I took in a deep breath, filling my lungs with fresh sea air. I came rushing back into the moment. Can you hear me, Ron? Hearing my wife's voice, I opened my eyes and thought I was seeing double, but I wasn't. Valerie was standing next to Lisi, and the only discernible difference between the two olive-skinned, dark-haired, black-eyed beauties was Lisi's height. She was one inch taller than her mother's five foot seven inches. Val took a step toward me and reinserted my earpiece before gently slapping my cheek. Ron Granger, can you hear me? I blinked my eyes a few times before responding. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, I answered, feeling my feet firmly under me, but reaching out, placing a hand on her shoulder anyway. I'm just a little dizzy. Anything broken? Lisi asked. No, I answered, shaking my head. Liar, Val said. I saw you wince when you touched your ribs. Smiling a half-smile, I said, Yeah, well, Lisi asked if anything was broken, and I think the ribs are just bruised. You mean cracked? Eyeing my wife warily, I started to respond, but Hodges cut me off. Look, guys, we can do a full workup on his injuries when we get back to the plane, but right now we need to get out of here. I'm pretty sure that's a siren I hear, and it's heading in our direction. Maybe so, I said, but it's only one siren. No reason to panic yet.
I don't care if it's one or a dozen sirens, Hodges said. It means military police are coming. We need to move right now. He's right, Ron, Val said. Think you're up for a run? Yeah, sure, I said, lying again. Lead the way. I fell in line behind Hodges as Valerie and Lisi led the way. Staying close to the buildings and away from the illuminated fence line, we sprinted between the shadows, covering the first 600 yards in less than five minutes. I thought we were making good time. Ron, you okay? I heard Val's voice ask me through my earpiece. Hanging in there. Catch your breath, she said, her back to the building we were hiding behind. We've got a hold here for the truck to pass, then we move. Roger that, I said, hearing the blare of an approaching siren, thinking it odd how long the response to the explosion was taking. Here it comes, Val said.